All right, in preparing for a Mother's Day message, I discovered this week an incredible psalm, and I've known it for like my entire adult life, um, but, it, but, it's, but I knew it in such a radically different context, but it, again, as I was looking through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, what am I going to preach on Mother's Day? Um, the, it, it was the tiniest little, little uh, a comment and so for the rest of that day, I think it was Tuesday, I just, I just went down rabbit holes like all day, kind of fleshing out this, this one psalm that I thought I knew so well, and then I realized there was so much more to this psalm, and, it, and a lot of it had to do with Mother's Day, and it just kind of blew me away, and it was like the neatest surprise, right? You ever discover something like that? You're reading scripture, and it's just like this gem gets uncovered, and you're just like, oh, that's so incredible. This was, this was one of those days, this, this, this incredible psalm here I want to share with you. Um, and again, it was, it was an incredible surprise for me, and I think it's going to be a really incredible surprise for moms um, everywhere. The psalm has a title. It's called The Doe of the Morning. Uh, some of you will have the hind, uh, which was an old English way of saying the, the doe. Um, and again, it sounds really nice, you know, this beautiful, peaceful forest setting, kind of Bambi, right? The Disney film Bambi, and this would be his mother because the doe is the mom, right? Um, and But... You all know, remember what happens in the Bambi movie, right? It, it wasn't pretty, right? It was a truly, I, I don't know, as a seven, eight-year-old, it was a horrific, horrific, it was a terrible film. I don't know what mom was thinking, right? Wait a minute, Mother's Day, focus. Don't bag on moms. Um, but this, move, this movie, I mean, if, if I remember correctly, the whole movie is a hunter shooting at them. I mean, they're just peaceful in the morning, the morning dew, licking the dew off the grass. I don't know, Dan, do they do that? Do deer? I've never hunted... They, Anyway, beautiful morning, you can hear the birds chirping, and then the hunter starts shooting, and this poor deer of the morning is, is running for her very life. And like, as I remember the, the rest of the movie, and again, I haven't seen this in like 50 years, there's like a huge forest fire, and so she's running, the whole movie is like horrible. Like she's, she's there's nothing beautiful, bucolic, or peaceful about this setting, right? Truly, and, and, and just a personal opinion here, um, Disney's got some truly horrifying films, right? Um, moms, don't show your kids 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. I mean, I had nightmares until I was an adult. Thank you very much, mom. All right. Quit bagging on mom. Um, so, again, if it sounds like this is going to be one of those beautiful psalms, um, it's not. It's going to end up beautiful, but it starts out really badly, right? Really, really badly. Um, but before I share this psalm with you, I need you to picture, I need you to picture a mom at the end of a rope. Most of you can picture this because <laughs> you've been in the house when mom was at the end of her rope. Um, we called it the wrath of mom. I know my mom's watching. She's hating this. So I, I need to stop talking at some point here. Um, I need you to picture mom, right, at the, at the end of her rope. I mean, this, this, nothing is going well. Nothing is going well for mom. Um, and again, as we look at this, I want you to understand something. For a lot of moms, you know, as we, as, as we, we looked at that, um, the lyrics to the song by, by Tupac, um, my guess is that a lot of those Mother's Days in the past, behind that pretty smile, right, there was, there was uh, tears. That's, you know, as I look back and as I look at other families and other turmoil and, and the American family, the family around the world, I, I, the, the weight and the, the pain that moms carry, right, when their kids go off and do crazy, crazy, stupid, stupid things. Many times, here's what's behind that pretty smile, on so many of those Mother's Days that you remember writing your little card, oh, Mom, I love you, blah, blah, blah. 
Possibly this is what was on her mind. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And not like she's looking at you going, oh my gosh, God, why'd you give me this kid? But this kid has been so difficult. This kid has been, right, getting them to school, getting them to get good grades. I mean, it's just been a struggle from day one. God, why? Why when I see other families and they see these beautiful kids and they go off to school and they go to college and they have stable families and, and God, look at my, what is going on with my family? It's, it's, a, it's a wreck. Again, many of you recognize this psalm as the psalm that Christ starts quoting when he's on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Originally, these are the words of King David, written about a thousand years before Christ was crucified. And originally, David's enemies are pursuing him kind of like the deer of the morning, shooting at him, hunting him down like a wild prey. And I think it's for this reason and for other reasons that we're going to see that Jesus cries out the exact same words a thousand years after David had cried out those same words to his God. My God, my God, where are you? Right back in the Garden of Eden, it was God who had asked Adam and Eve, where are you, right? But now the tables are turned, and humanity, David, and, and now Jesus, and I, and I really believe in a lot of time, mothers, more often than not, moms are crying out to God, where are you, right? You're there for everybody else, everybody else's family, but, but not mine. What is going on with that? The psalmist, the psalmist continues. This is in verse 2. It says, My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. And I think it's the same things that a mother at the end of her rope might cry out, and I think Jesus is well aware of this. Because at this very moment, I don't know if you've thought about this, but at this very moment, and this is what blew me away. I, you know, I've read this psalm so many times, but I didn't, I didn't place myself on the scene and, and look around. And, I, and I, I want to encourage you, when you're reading Scripture, put yourself into the story and visualize what's going on around. Because what a lot of times we don't realize that as Jesus Christ is repeating and starting to read Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the foot of the cross, and I'm believing throughout that morning, that afternoon, this was all going on, he's making eye contact eye to eye with his mom. Can you imagine what mom's feeling down there on the ground? She's probably not standing. She can't stand. She's... She's fallen to her knees, and she can't get up. John is with her. Um, she is a, she's a wreck. She is an absolute wreck. This is not what she signed up for. And I think at this very moment, as Jesus cries out, he knows, right? Mom, mom's got to be a mess right now. Right? And, and in this incredible moment, I know he's able to do this because we, we hear him say uh, quite a few different things while he's on the cross. So he's still incredibly coherent. He sees what's going on. He still feels. He's not so involved with his own pain like we can be as human beings that he can't see everybody's, anybody else's pain. He can see his mother's eyes, and he knows what she's going through right now. If you're a mother, can you imagine seeing your son up there called a criminal when he did nothing wrong and he's being crucified in the most horrible manner possible? And on top of all of that, the people walking by are screaming, throwing rotten fruit at them, calling them names, not just calling Jesus names, but they're calling them mother names too. This is your son. This is the way you raise your son, you horrible woman. You raised a criminal. I mean, and she could understand the soldiers were jeering her. I mean, she could understand that because the Roman soldiers, they didn't understand what it meant to be a Jewish mother. They had no idea. But a lot of those people walking by hurling insults and jeers at them, there were, these were people that Mary knew. 
people that she had seen on the streets, people that just the day before had been proclaiming her son king, and now they were screaming hatred at her and at her son. This is a broken mom. This is a mom who needs some explanation, all right? Does that that make sense? I'm screaming here. I'm getting, hmm, sorry. I believe Jesus began to quote Psalm 22 in part, in part. And I know there was a lot going on between him and his heavenly father as he quotes Psalm 22. But I can't help but believe that there's something also going on between a man, the savior of the world, and his mother. Right? Because, I, 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 again, I truly believe they're making eye contact this whole time. They're looking at each other. They're not speaking to each other per se, but their, their eyes are speaking volumes. They're, they're, they're speaking to each other. Verse 3 and 4 says this, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. This is what King David had, had written, and this is what Jesus is repeating from the cross. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. Anyone notice a trend here? The psalmist no longer feels a part of the family. Are you seeing this? Like, God, you did everything for them and they and theirs. There's no personal pronoun going on here. There's nothing about me and mine in this passage so far. I think it's an us and them thing now between, the, between David and his God. And he's saying, God, look, I don't even think I'm a part of your family anymore, right? You must not count me as one of your own anymore because I can't find you. You do everything for them, but you, where are you for me? Again, I think a lot of moms have felt this very thing. So even as Jesus suffers the physical pain of scorn and hate, his heart goes out to his mom. In effect, Jesus is saying to his mom, look, I know you're angry, I know you probably never want to talk to or see one of these horrible people again. I I know how you're feeling, Mom. Don't quit. Mom, don't don't quit yet. Just just hang in there. The psalmist continues. This is in verse 5. It says, To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And again, it's so easy to see moms around the world crying out. Maybe they're experiencing infertility and they see other moms <laughs> turning out babies like rabbits. And they see that their, their family that they're raising is ended up more of a modern family, broken in a half a dozen different ways. And then again, they see other children doing well and they cry out, what about my family, God? I, I love you. Do you not love me anymore? Because as I look at my family, it's a wreck. Where are you when I need you? You're there for everyone else. What about, what about me? See, the psalmist understands what it feels like to be, to feel like you've been left out, like you've been separated out, like there's something wrong with you and you have to exist outside of the community. I think verses 6, 7, and 8, I'm going to read those in just a moment here. This, is, this sets up the contrast. This is what the psalmist is feeling, King David. This is what Jesus is feeling. I think this is what mothers, this is what Mary felt. You work, you're, you're there for everybody else. They trusted you. They cried out. Verse 8, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults and shaking their heads. Verse 8, he trusts in the Lord, they say. 
Let the Lord rescue him, right? They're just like piling it on now. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And again, I just want you to be very, very, very clear on this. Jesus is quoting, and again, we don't know how far he got in that quote. Um, in, in, in our scriptures, he, he gets through like maybe the first or second um, verse. But historians tell us with a, with a lot of knowledge um, that everybody in the crowd, maybe not the Roman soldiers, but if you were Jewish and you were in that crowd that day, as soon as Jesus started quoting Psalm 22, in your mind, you could have easily quoted the rest of it. Right, So whether he finished the quote or not, we really don't know. But everybody in the crowd could have finished that quote. Um, so as Jesus is quoting, eyeball to eyeball with his mom. Make sure you understand that. Eyeball to eyeball with his mom. Here's what's happening all around them. All right, so you, you got the picture. He's on the cross. He's quoting from David, Psalm 22. They're hurling insults at me. They're despising me. And Matthew, I'm going I'm to turn to Matthew now. This is Matthew chapter 27. Matthew records what's going on as Jesus is on the cross crying out, despised and hurling insults. As Jesus is saying that, Matthew records, here's what the crowd was doing as Jesus was reading Psalm 22. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. That sound familiar, Psalm 22. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. It's almost as if Jesus is speaking the Psalm 22 from, from the cross and the crowd is enacting what he's saying, right? A thousand years earlier, they had hurled insults at King David and now as he's on the cross, they're hurling insults at, at him. And so he identifies with King David. And in the midst of all of this, this noise, the criminals are screaming out in their own pain and their own anger, and the crowd is screaming insults, and, and they're throwing rotten fruit at them. Again, they're throwing fruit and insults at both Jesus and the few people gathered around the foot of the cross, Mary and John and whoever else was there. And in the midst of all this, and again, I just want you to make sure you, you, you understand the turmoil, the sounds, the smell, the, the pain, the anguish in the voices of three men being set up to die a, a long, just a horrible, horrible death. And, and, and the whole crowd all around them, Jesus gets his mother's attention. And it's, it's so, and I, I, again, whether he got to these words, we don't know, but I know Mary got to those words. In the midst of all this, this is incredibly important. He needs his mom to know something. And I think he, he needs moms all the way to today to know something really, really important. And that's that everything is going to be okay. If you read the rest of that psalm, Psalm 22, and I encourage you to go home read today, from verses 11 through verses 18, he goes through these, these um, word pictures of how horrible his, you know, the bulls are crushing him and roaring lions are tearing him apart. And then at about verse 20, 21, somewhere in there, the whole thing turns and I think that's what Jesus was trying to, and I don't know if he could ever get to those, that part of the psalm, but because he started it, he knew his mother arrived at that conclusion that everything was going to be okay. This was not the end of everything. It just appeared like it was bad, but everything was going to be okay. Now, whether he actually got that far, I don't know, but I think Mary heard him say this. This is in verse 9 and 10. Yet you brought me out of the womb. And again, I, I'm just seeing Jesus on the, on the cross, and he's looking down, and he's locked eyes with his mom as he's repeating, maybe he didn't make to this point, I don't know. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Now, here he's speaking to God. 
But he's talking about his mother. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Originally wrote and written, King David is acknowledging the incredibly important role his mother had played in his life, right? The incredible vital role. And Jesus is saying the, exactly the same thing, and this is for all the world to hear and for the entire world to acknowledge the incredibly important role that his mom played in his life. Basically, what Christ is saying right now is, Mom, I know you hate right now. You're feeling emotions right now that you're not used to feeling, um, but I need you to understand something. I could be feeling those emotions too, but I, I'm only able to forgive and love these people who are doing this to me because you taught me how to love. I'm only able to do this because you taught me how. And I know you're feeling pain right now, but this is not the end of it. Don't quit. Don't quit. The psalm closes out in an incredibly beautiful way. This is in verse 30 and 31. Dan's going to come up here and he's going to play a song. Um, we're going to show some lyrics up here. Let me read this last, last two verses of the psalm. And, and again, I think this is as much spoken to his heavenly father as it was spoken to his mom, mothers everywhere, and the rest of us. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. And how will they be told? At their mother's knee. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. So listen, moms, I don't know where you are and you're, you're raising up your families and I don't know. There might have been, there might be right now, there might be in the future that day when you cry out, my God, my God, where are you? Where are you? The Savior of the world wants you to know that he's not gone. He has done it. He's won the race. He's won the victory. So moms, just hang in there. Don't quit. Just hang in there a little longer. In the same spirit that Jesus, I believe, ministered to his mother right there on that day, um, we'd like to minister to the mothers who are listening today. And whatever your experience has been with motherhood, good or bad, um, Psalm 22 says that you have a Savior who will celebrate the good with you, but will also cry out to God with you when you're feeling broken. He celebrates with you, and he cries out with you. When you're at the end of your rope, you're not done. 